And it being hour number three on a Thursday, that means it's time for Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com as he joins us thanks to our friends at Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. Brent Hubbs, how are you? I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well. Hope you guys are well. It's nice and steamy and hot, but hopefully the rain holds off. And uh, this one ought to be fun tonight. I tell you what, between these two teams, it, it ought to be a lot of fun. A lot of points scored tonight. And uh, looking forward to seeing this one beyond just Walter Nolan. Looking yep. forward to seeing what all's going on with these two teams. Should be a great matchup. It's been really something to uh, to watch the the senior combo that is quarterback Carson Jones and Markel Fortenberry. Uh, as they've come along, they've done a lot of work with one another, and I know that you've been familiar with Markel for quite some time. Well, and, and how far his game has come in a short period of time is is a, is a great tribute to the work he's put in. It really is. I mean, when when I first met Markel, he didn't he didn't know anything, and Paul will tell you he didn't know anything about football. I mean, he he had not played football till his freshman year of high school, and uh, to go from where he was then. Um, in, in terms of understanding the game and learning how to play the game to where he is right now as a, a guy committed to liberty and, um, gosh, he's big, can run. He, he's he's fun. I'm telling you what, he'll be a handful for Powell tonight. Uh, Maryville's got their hands full with the big boy up front, and there's a lot of talent going on uh, on both sides. Should, should be some fun. I know Powell's trying to get some, some defensive things tightened up after what happened to him last week. I know they got the win, but I don't think anybody saw them giving up that many points last week. So how much of a jump do they make defensively from week one to week two uh, will be interesting, and then we'll see how Maryville handles a test because they put that one to bed pretty early last week. And when you have somebody that is as athletic as Markell is, Derek Hunt has said, probably going to need to make a play or two in the secondary as well. Yep, and, and he's got the ability to do that. I think that's the that's the growth of his game is, you know, for, for the first couple of years it was, you know, hey, run a nine route, run a takeoff. You know, and just try to out, out leap some people for the ball or outrun some people for the ball, and he's got much more, uh, much more to his game than, than what he had uh, early in his career. And uh, I, I give him a ton of credit for, uh, again, that just the work that he's put in, and, and that's what high school football is supposed to be about. And I know he's having a good time. I know all these kids are hoping the rain holds off, and hopefully we don't have all the the cramping that we had last week. Everybody gets a understanding of how to hydrate themselves and. And ready to go because, again, this one should be really, really intense tonight between these two teams. We are one week away from the start of Tennessee football, but do have to congratulate Gibbs on being 1-0. Big win against Halls. And tell us about the Eagle rushing touchdown. <laughs> well, we had a kid who scored two, and then um, we, had a, we had one that, that fell into the end zone from about three <laughs> yards out at the end of the first half. No, I mean, it, it was fun, you know, and, and it was uh, – you know, as a dad, it's just it's fun to watch your kid play, and um, it's you know I, how good they are and all those things. I don't know, but uh, it's just fun to watch the kids play. This this is a fun team for me, uh, John, because unfortunately for them, I tried to coach them when they were young. <laughs> um, you know, I coached a good number of them in basketball, but I coached a good number of them in seven-year-old football, which is when you put pads on so mom can take the picture. That's the only reason you're in pads. You're just kind of bouncing off everybody. And, um, I, you know, I'm sure I was way too complicated and didn't make it a lot of fun for them. But it's fun to see them play. And there's a whole group of those kids that are in that class together uh, that are playing. And uh, they had a good time last week against a, 
against a good Halls team, and uh, they got a challenge ahead of them uh, tomorrow night uh, against Webb because it's a very different Webb team than we've seen out of Webb the last few years. So uh, they'll have their hands full tomorrow night with uh, Coach Bradley's passing attack under Coach Meske. So it uh, should be, a, lot, should be a, a good matchup, and, again, hopefully the weather holds for everybody. Brent, after uh, Tennessee opened up uh, practice with uh, eight periods, it went down to two, then to zero. Why do you think Josh Heupel closed practice this week and next week? Well, we'll see if he opens it back up as the season goes along, or is this kind of going to be what he does. Uh, You you could sense, Jimmy, that um, as he gets closer and has gotten closer to game week, um, answers have become a little more vague, not nearly as specific as they were in the first press conference or after the first scrimmage. And uh, I just think that he's, that, you know, that's that's game mode for him. I, I think he's getting into game mode and um, is not about any kind of outside distractions. And, um, but, you know, no coach likes to, anybody reporting who was working off on the side. And that's always a, a sticking point. And uh, I think because of where they were, they're probably working on some more team stuff immediately, um, you know, this week to try to get into game week mode to – to show their players kind of what game week looks like. Um, I think they use this week, obviously, for some certainly development, but I think it's also a, a week to teach your kids kind of, hey, this is how game week works under Josh Heupel. Because everybody does it different, right? We've, we've gone from full walkthroughs at the opponent's stadium on Friday to nobody goes to a stadium. We've done no sweat Thursday. We've done full sweat Thursday. We're, we're doing fast Friday now. I mean, everybody does things differently in terms of how the week is laid out. So I think they did their best to try to create this week to, to give the players an idea of what game week is going to look like in addition to doing some camp mode stuff as well. And, and I think he just felt like he, he needed to kind of tighten the screws up and ratchet it down a little bit. We'll see if he opens anything back up or, or not. You know, there's a lot of schools in this conference that aren't opening anything up right now. And yeah. some of it's saying COVID-related. Um, some of them are saying whatever to not have to open it up. But then you have some other schools that are opening things up. We'll, we'll see how he evolves throughout the season here if he opens anything back up after this Bowling Green game and they get on a normal schedule. I think we'd agree that uh, Joe Milton's going to be the starting quarterback. Who do you think's a number two quarterback? You know, I, I don't know, um, and, and I would agree with you. I would be surprised if it's not Joe Milton. Uh, I think if if um, Josh Heupel puts out a depth chart, I think he'll have an or beside it on, on the backup quarterback. Uh, who would be the first one in? I don't know. I'm not sure they're completely sure on, on where, the, where it would be. I think part of it depends on situation, um, kind of where they think some of their advantages are in a game plan. Obviously, Hendon Hooker's legs are a different dynamic than what Harrison Bailey has. Is that a team that that you can take advantage of that with, or is it a team that you can't really run, you know, the quarterback can't run on them very well, you know, that type of thing? Uh, So I think it would be probably more situational than it would be necessarily just this guy. I think Hooker's experience, particularly if you're rolling in because of an injury or something in an adverse situation, Jimmy, Hooker's experience might be something that, that you lean on because those Alex Golish made it very clear how much they appreciated Hendon Hooker's experience and how much he's played at Virginia Tech uh, to get an idea of what he can do. So maybe he would be better suited in an adverse situation because of the amount of football he's played. I don't know that. I was surprised Golish said that he, he feels as good about the offensive lines he does a running back. Yeah, I was too. That that one. So I mean, I, I think when you look at to me, there's a pretty clear defined top six guys, Jimmy. 
I, I think you take the five who I believe are going to start, which is Cade Mays, Jerome Carvin, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, and, and Darnell Wright. That's going right to left for me. I think Dane Davis is the clear-cut number six. Okay, And I'm, I say that because if somebody in the interior got hurt, I think they would slide Cade in and Dane would go to tackle. Okay, The question I have is who's seven, eight, or nine? But where do you where do you stack up after that? And um, I'm not sure. I, I personally don't know where that's at. It sounds like Coach Golish is a little more comfortable with that. Maybe even sounded to me a little more comfortable with it than Josh Heupel sounded with it when he met the media on Monday. Uh, but I was a little surprised that he seemed to feel as comfortable with the depth of that offensive line as, as he does the the options they have at the running back position. Now running back, maybe I'm wrong. It feels like there's three. Yes. And then there's a jumble of you're not real sure kind of what you got. And right. maybe that's the offensive line. Feel good about six, you know, but you're not real sure after that. That may be what he's saying there. But I thought at the running back position he made it pretty clear that it's Jabari Small, Tyon Evans, Jalen Wright. Feel really good about them in whatever situation. After that, not, not so sure where they are in terms of pecking order with that group. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. Let's get a call from Jeremy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, Brent, I got two questions. The first one's recruiting. Uh, what's the status uh, and how good the shape is Tennessee with for uh, the Joseph kid down in Georgia, the defensive end? Well, I think they're definitely in it. I think they're going to be in it till the end. I don't know that they're the front runner by any means, but – um, I, I think that they have put themselves in a, in a solid a solid shape there with them, uh, with him, and, and I think that uh, he, he's definitely, um, after visiting up here and seeing things, I think he's, he likes Tennessee. Uh, I don't know that he's in a big hurry right now, um, but I think Tennessee's going to be in there all the way to the finish line. Okay, then my final question, and, and Jimmy and John, you can uh, chip in too, is next week the first game, after the game, What's one thing, other than, you know, of course, the offense being better, but what's one thing that you want to check off the list coming out of the game that gives you the feeling, okay, you know, I, I you know, I can live with this, or um, I think that they might have a shot, and I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Jeremy, sure to appreciate it. I think that's a good question. Um, I agree. You know, I'm going to go in probably a little different direction than he thought and not necessarily go with personnel. To, to me, it's it, the stat I'm going to keep an eye on is red zone stat. Can this offense – last year, Josh Heupel's team in, in, in 10 games was in the red zone 55 times. 55 times in 10 games last year, which is – I mean, that's five and a half a game, which is not close to where – Tennessee wasn't close to that. So they clearly drove the ball last year and, and, and put themselves in a position to score touchdowns. They did a nice job converting touchdowns. Can this offense generate that kind of red zone production? Um, and when they get there, can they score touchdowns? Conversely, I think teams are going to move the ball on this defense. I, I think this defense is going to give up some yards. When they get into that area, can Tennessee force field goals and not give up touchdowns in the red zone? I don't know that you answer that question week one. I think that's a big stat for this football team in terms of how successful they are or they aren't on the scoreboard. I think offensively they got to be really good in the red zone. And I think defensively, they they got to pull the old Spurrier. What what is it, Jimmy? You don't you don't win games kicking field goals. Well, they got to make teams kick field goals. I think that's a key stat for this defense. Mine is uh, run defense. Uh, I think this defensive line has a chance to be a lot better than it was last year. It should be. 
And I just wonder if they can revert back to what Coach Rocker did with them. I thought they were pretty effective back then. I thought they overachieved. If Bowling Green can run the football on Tennessee, Tennessee's in trouble. Yep, that's a great point. So that's that's a part of what I would look at as run defense, John. Yeah, I was just going to look at just unity when it comes to the, the defense and how well they play together. Um, I do think that, yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb. Shouldn't be necessarily against next Thursday's opponent, so just looking for a clean game on that side of the ball. Well, I think that's a great point because how is that group communication? How, do they, how does the, the – the front seven and the, and the back end, how, how tied in together are they when you're talking about a brand-new system? And when I mean brand-new system, I mean Tim Banks has created a system since he got here. It's not like he brought a couple of his buddies with him and said, hey, here's what we do the way Josh Heupel did on the offensive side of the ball. So it is new. I don't think we all know what it is. I, I don't. I mean, I, you know, the answer is, well, we're going to be multiple. Well, name me the last defensive coordinator that didn't say that. Okay, <laughs> yes. Find me one that says, you know what, we're going to be straight. This is what we do all the time. We're not multiple. I mean, everybody's multiple. So what does that mean? Well, th- does that mean you can protect the middle of the football field better than you did a year ago? Does that mean, you know, w- what exactly does this defense look like and how tied in are they together? I, I think that's something. You have a bunch of bust if you do in week one, much like you're saying, Jimmy, uh, you know, Russian defense, so that's big scary. Well, if you got guys running open and, and you got a bunch of people looking around going, well, what happened here? Then I think that's a real concern heading into week two, obviously. Jeremy, we appreciate the call. Today, we're at Maribel High School, where tonight, Rivalry Thursday, it's the Rebels hosting Powell. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com this hour. Let's go back to the phones where it's Steve who's up next. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey. Brent, I heard you on ball calls last night, and I heard you, of course, talking about the uh, receiver from South Carolina that everybody talks about. Who were the other two receivers you mentioned? I couldn't understand what you said. Uh, Steve, I don't remember. I mean, I've slipped since then. I can run through the receiver list, but uh, Jalen Hyatt is obviously the receiver from South Carolina who everybody is uh, expecting to have a a big year. Um, And, and, you know, I think Javon, we've talked about this, I think Peyton, uh, Jimmy, um, with his SEC experience and his athletic and kind of fluidness, looks like he's got a chance to, to fit into this system well and be productive if he can remain uh, healthy. You know, Cedric Tillman's been consistent. I still want to see his ability to get open. Right. You know, um, I know he's physical, but does he have the speed, you know, the quickness that you want to in and out of routes to get open? Um, and then, you know, where, where's Valus Jones? I mean, he's been hampered by a, a bit of a hamstring all, all fall camp and, uh, how close is he to 100%? Will there be any limitations there? Um, and, and the same for, for Holiday and Callaway. Both those guys have been a little a little bit hampered by some injury this fall camp too. So I, I think they've got a lot of bodies to work with there, Jimmy. I, I don't know how great they are. I, I think the, the sum may be better than their parts individually um, and the scheme being a part of that sum as well. So curious to see that, you know, on even though it's Bowling Green, you know, and, and they're not supposed to be very good. I'm curious to see how this receiver group plays against somebody other than the Tennessee secondary. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the ones you named first two, that was the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, okay, then. I, I'm I'm happy to have awful as much to have this Peyton kid. I really am. I've just had a gut feeling that he can really be good and uh, had that ever since I heard about him. Uh, but anyway... Well, okay then. I'm learning a whole lot of stuff. Must be wonderful to be in the know for you guys. 
Well, hopefully Steve will we'll put you in the no. <laughs> hopefully we're putting you in the no, partner. Hey, hang in there. You got a week to go, and it's time to go. Okay. All right, partner. See you, bud. Thanks for the call, Steve. Let's go next to Tommy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Tommy. Ah, we actually have lines available. 656-9900. 656-9900. Brian, you mentioned uh, uh, Javante Payton, and last year in this first game for Mississippi State under Mike Leach, six catches, 122 yards against LSU. He didn't do much the rest of the year. Do you know what happened? I don't know that Mississippi State did a whole lot the rest of the year. Remember? <laughs> I mean, everybody was talking about uh, Mike Leach comes out, and he beats a really bad LSU defense, and, People here are clamoring. See, you should have hired him. That's who they should have hired. He's taken the league by storm and dominating. And uh, then they play Arkansas and some other teams, and and they had a hard time. I I think he was a little bit nicked up. I think his game's a little more vertical, Jimmy. I, I think, you know, with, with Leach, I'm not saying he doesn't throw the ball down the field, but there's a lot of that shallow crossing stuff and a lot of that West Coast kind of control passing game stuff. And I think this, you know, th- this passing attack, if it's if it can translate, um, and it certainly worked at Missouri, but th- but they want to stretch the field more, and I think that fits Peyton's game a little bit more than some of that shallow stuff across the middle and, and some of that West Coast stuff that that Leach seems to to want to play with, which is a little more controlled passing attack. At least that's how I view his passing game. Certainly, that's what it evolved to. I, I think they had some quarterback issues, you know, obviously at Mississippi State as well, which probably didn't help them. Um, for a great start, that was a pretty tough nine games after that for Mississippi State. They had a hard time. Yeah, and and uh, and most of them, they they did have a few games mm-hmm. where they, pitched, but but they, did but they didn't throw for six hundred yards the rest of the no, way like they no. did against against Bo Pelini, who decided not to even look at at Mike Leach's but, but offense they, before they played. But see, here's here's <laughs> uh, they had a freshman receiver that caught sixty passes. Yeah. So how did that happen? And Peyton got left in the. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's, yeah, that's what. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's a, a great question, and uh, we'll see. I mean, again, I, I've seen I've seen Javante Peyton run routes versus air, okay, yeah. and 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 maybe a little bit of one on one here and there, but not a ton. And, and so I look running around. He's pretty. He does. He looks he, good. He, out he looks there pretty. The but seen, yeah. you, you know as well as I do, we've seen some pretty. And then when they add a bunch of people on the field, it, does, it it's not nearly as pretty. We've also seen some ugly that got a lot prettier. You know, I mean, I, I, we always I mean, you were there. We always tell the story about Peerless Price. He <laughs> wasn't much in, in routes versus air and one on one. You're like, yeah, okay, he's got to get this. Then they take him over there and go eleven on eleven part of week, and you're like, wait a minute, this guy knows how yeah. to get open, and this defense is not not real good. You know, and so sometimes it doesn't translate and sometimes it does. We'll see how, how it does for Peyton. He looks like he should be productive based on his athletic ability and the way he runs routes and plays. Again, routes versus air, not scrimmage settings. Do you think this secondary will be productive? Do you like what you've seen out of this group, and do you think it will be a much improved group? I think they have a chance to be maybe the most improved group on this team. Now, defensive line certainly makes the most sense because they didn't have a coach last year. Um, you know, so I, I think clearly that group is going to make strides. Uh, but I, I like I like where the secondary is for the following reasons. One, I think they've got enough experience to know what to expect and to know what's coming. Um, B, I, I think that Willie Martinez is is a really good position coach. Yeah. And I think he can do a good job of getting guys confidence going back. I mean, I mean. Jalen McCullough didn't sound like a beaten man when he talked to the media this week, you know. Uh, and so I, I just think that 
I think that that group is gaining some confidence, and if they have some early success, I think they can gain a lot of confidence. I think Trayvon Flowers, who I won't say he's been disappointing, he's been beat up, and, and he's made some tackles, but he's not made a bunch of plays back there, right? I mean, if you sit here and think, you know, what plays has he made in his career? I think that one pick, he, he just hasn't made a ton of plays. I think he has the skill to make those plays, and I think he's made more plays this fall camp. I think his confidence should be higher. I think Warren Burrell is a, is, is a solid corner. And we'll see what happens with those young guys or those transfers as they develop. I think they got some depth to play with back there a little bit. they got to tighten up that nickel spot. We'll see how it plays, Jimmy. Uh, but I do like that secondary in kind of the combination of Willie Martinez with a veteran group. I think they've been easy for him to coach. I really do. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. You can view their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. It's Sam who joins us next. Hello, Sam. Hey, guys. Actually, had a question about our former coach, Lane Kiffin. Um, I think he does a great job of showing up at programs that are maybe on the downswing or transitioning. Uh, for like a year or two, and then once there's expectations, he's pretty much out of the door already. Do you see him at Ole Miss long-term? Is there a world in which he succeeds there and maybe takes over for Saban in like five, ten years? Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it. Later. All right, Sam. Thank you very much. Jimmy, what do you think of that uh, hypothetical situation? I'd be very surprised if he replaces Nick Saban at Alabama. Uh, the one thing I think about Lane Kiffin, I think he's a very good offensive mind. I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. Uh, I want to see more to be convinced that he's a really good head coach. You should win at Southern Cal, right? You should win at a high level. Now, I know that he had a numbers crunch there a little bit, but he always had 55 to play with, and his best 55 were better than the other guy's 55. So I thought he probably should have won more. So I'm I'm, I really like his offense and his offensive mind and his play calling. I'm not sure if I think he's a great head coach. How do I think, you see that? Yeah, I think for me it's just the, the continued evolution of maturity in the position. I, I think, you know, he was anointed so early an opportunity to be a head coach. He clearly wasn't ready for the job in the NFL. Um, I don't think he was ready for the job here. I think if you sat down and got some real honesty out of him, I think he would tell you, he wasn't ready, and there were some things he would like to go back and do. I think the size and the magnitude of this job was a little overwhelming, um, but he's matured. You know, I, I, when, when he left when he left Alabama, um, I wasn't sure, and particularly after Southern Cal, I wasn't sure he'd ever be a head coach again. I, I thought his best move was to go be an NFL offensive coordinator because he loves to draw up ball plays, mm-hmm. and, and I thought that you know you make a couple million dollars a year being that, and life is good. Uh, he's obviously done, you know, did a nice job at Florida Atlantic. Um, and he's, you know, he had a so- solid first year and a very unusual year at Ole Miss. Let's see how he does with some expectations. Um, and let's see how they uh, evolve and, and how they grow. Um, I do I do see him being a little bit more mature and a little bit more comfortable. And when I say comfortable, he was, when he was here, it was almost like, to be comfortable, he had to call out other people. He he had to he had to pick, and, and he still does that in fun. But but I don't think it's the defense mechanism that it was when it was here. I, I think that was kind of his go-to. 
hey, I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone, so let's just take a shot at somebody else. And, and I don't see that as much, but I, I'm with you, Jimmy. I, I'm not – to me, he's got to continue to mature uh, as a head coach if he's going to have a chance to be, you know, more than – you know, at a bigger place than, than Ole Miss. So we'll goes, see. If he goes 6-6 six and six every year at Ole Miss, Alabama's not hiring him. No, no, so no. I, I, and I just I don't know what his ceiling is at Ole Miss. Well, I guess the next couple of years will tell us. Yeah, and why would you want the Alabama job? <laughs> I mean, who, I mean, seriously, do you want to go in after that? I, I wouldn't. I mean, if you're sitting now, if 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 LSU called in a couple of years, maybe because you know that's different. But so Nick Saban retires. Who's lining up for that one? I mean, yeah. What what's that? I mean, I would run from that one. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because it's like. Nowhere you to can't go. duplicate that, and so that's not a place that I would want to. That would not be on my wish list. Let's put it that way. Most coaches do not check their ego at the door. That's true. So that's there'll true. be coaches that feel like, hey, I can come in there and I can I can handle this. That's Ray Perkins at Alabama when he <laughs> yeah. replaced Bear Bryant. Yeah, I mean it, it is. I mean it, you know it's so uh, again. I just think he has to continue. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's proven enough to say, hey, I'm ready to go back to one of those one of those type jobs because for for every success he has at Ole Miss to me Jimmy somebody's going to say something about the Tennessee somebody's going to say something about Southern Cal and and, and you're going to sit there as an AD and go wait a minute uh, has he really changed that much or is is the history of those other two places really the history of who he is let's go next to John you're on sports talk hello John hello um I'm it's kind of a weird question, I guess. Um, you can develop, you can teach people to lead uh, target when they're skeet shooting. I'm wondering if Tennessee could develop a video game that would teach quarterbacks to lead the receiver. Thank you. And actually, I'll hang uh, sure, they actually have those. Uh, it's a virtual reality. Tennessee doesn't own one, but if you go back, you'd have to go back. You couldn't find it on Twitter probably at this point because there's been a, a few gazillion tweets since then. But there was a point in the spring where they brought in a a company came in and had this virtual reality. So you were throwing a ball without really throwing a ball to a receiver, and it was a timing and it was a see-the-field type thing. So there's some of that out there. At the end of the day, there, there is no substitute for how a guy runs a route. Yeah. Everybody runs it different. You know, some guys, if it's supposed to be a 12-yard square in, they're always going to run it at 11, right? Yep. Some guys are going to run it at 14. you got to know. That, that's why guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all these guys that have played a gazillion years, that's why they demand that their receivers throw with them year-round because you want to know exactly where your receiver is at on what route all the time. So I just don't think you can duplicate the human element of um, – quarterbacks throw into actual receivers i mean i know to save legs we've seen some like they'll walk the receiver out you know to the breaking point and they just you know to try to save your legs and sort of cut the route in half it's just hard to duplicate it's hard to duplicate timing if you don't have those guys out there throwing to them every day all year long i mean all summer long and all, all year long you just have to do that final segment for us with brent hubs of allquest.com and brent we had a caller mention it earlier last night the season debut of vol calls you guys got to speak with uh, Danny White, Don DePlowman, and uh, Tony Vitello, among many. But uh, tell me, what were your takeaways from the season opener as Ball calls back in once again? Well, I, mean, I got a chance to talk to, to Danny White about you know, this kind of fan, uh, what you do to enhance things for fans. And we obviously know fireworks are coming and 
the light show and, and all those things. But I think he's very mindful of tradition. He does not want to um, damage or, or, or do anything to the traditions of Tennessee, but is also very mindful that you're competing harder than ever for ticket sales. So you better make it, you better make it unique, and you better do some things to try to make it a better atmosphere for your fans, whether that's outside the stadium or inside the stadium, and that's something that, that obviously he is, is very, very conscious about. Tony Vitello, um, big man on campus, remains big man on campus, and um, is excited about his baseball team moving forward. I mean, you know, uh, it sounds like they've got some construction things that are going to take place, you know, in, in the short term and in the, in the underneath of the stadium with some stuff for the student-athletes and trying to move forward with a, a final big plan, but uh, – Going to be some uh, more uh, seats and availability this this spring, and and he's happy uh, with where his team is at right now. Thinks he's had, added some nice parts, and uh, he's pretty excited about uh, the direction as he should be. That was a fun year. I don't know if they can replicate all of what they did last year, but they're going to be a very talented team. He's very excited about where that program is from a from an establishment standpoint. Not that they're going to Omaha every year, but you know that they have. He didn't say they had arrived, but it's different than it was. A couple of years ago, for sure. And then always, you guys do such a good job of, of highlighting prospects, but Austin Price caught up with uh, Nathan and Edwin Spillman, mm-hmm. which uh, one is a class of 23 receiver, the other a 24 athlete. Yep, both of them play at David Lipscomb. That's a really good Lipscomb team. Um, they, they've got a quarterback named um, Luther Richardson, who I, I think is going to ultimately end up turning some heads this fall. Uh, but the Spillman you know, brothers have been out. Ohio State's heavily involved there. Uh, they've got a lot of offers from a lot of places. They've been at Tennessee. They were up here unofficially this summer. I think Tennessee's going to be in it, but that's going to be a dogfight. And Tennessee needs to have, you know, quite frankly, they need to have some success to, to kind of get ever keep everybody's attention there. So a lot of good prospects. Caleb Beasley's on that team as a corner. That Lipscomb team under Trent Dilfer's got a lot of good things going on right now. They're going to be they're going to be tough. They come to, if I'm not mistaken, they come to Knoxville, take on Catholic later right. in the year if fans want to get out and see them. That'll be, that'll be a heck of a matchup in, in the private school ranks there. So, yeah, we'll try to get out as much as we can. That was a, that was a logical game to go to. Addison Nichols was playing up there. Tough night for them. Um, they got taken to the woodshed by Lipscomb. But um, the chance to catch up with Addison Nichols and kind of where everything's at, he's obviously very happy with his decision to go to Tennessee. And Tennessee's very solid, you know, there. And so – Try to catch up to as many of them as we can find. Um, they do. I'm not. Yeah. No offense. No offense. <laughs> I, I'm not going to see anybody on a Friday night for other than other than one collection of guys. I'm not going to go there for another, uh, you know, another few games, another year or so. I, then I'll go out and see some guys on a Friday night. But uh, I'm not going to give those up to go watch some prospects play. I'll let those boys go do that. Tennessee's pursuing a point guard from New York, uh, Zakiah Ziegler. He's 5'10". A uh, really good shooter, really good defensive player. He's going to make his announcement Friday at 4 p.m. Do you like Tennessee's chances for Ziegler? I do. Um, it's my understanding he's listed in the student directory at Tennessee. That would be a pretty positive idea that, that it's happening. Um, obviously, this is very quick as a guy who's going to reclassify and, and be here now, um, which just kind of came out of the blue. <laughs> Official visit earlier this week. Bam. Uh, decision on Friday, and, and away we go. So, uh you know, I think Rick Barnes feels like two things. One, in this day and age of all the transfers and everything, it, it, it doesn't really help you to hold a scholarship moving forward, like to have to not be full all the time. Uh, and I think he always wants point guards. And uh, Kennedy Chandler is going to be the point guard for this team. 
Um, but they would like a little more depth there, and they'd like some, some somebody to push Kennedy Chandler. He, he's a guy that, uh, and Rob Lewis passed his story along because he follows this very closely with everything in, in the summer AAU circuit. This kid, Ziegler, is a guy that Tennessee's watching Brandon Miller play at the Peach Jam, and Ziegler plays him well, really defends him well, and gets everybody's attention. So the staff keeps following Miller, and part of the staff goes, let's go watch this kid play some more. And from that moment, that's when they decided to go right then. He was that impressive uh, to them at the Peach Jam uh, for what he could do. Really fast with the ball in his hand, can get up and down the floor, good defender, not going to be a one-and-done type guy. And and I think that's something that Rick Barnes is looking for to provide some depth at that position, which is obviously a challenge to play for when your head coach is Rick Barnes. It's a week-long countdown to Tennessee football. What can folks find right now at VolQuest, and what's coming up? All the football we can give you, we're going to give you. We do have recruiting stuff going on. Rob's going to continue to follow that recruitment that we just talked about. We'll have the war room tomorrow. We'll actually do our season predictions tomorrow as well. Then coming up this weekend, we'll do our annual VolQuest encyclopedia where we look at every prominent walk-on who factors to play and scholarship player and kind of break down in a little paragraph form each guy, kind of where they are, kind of what kind of fall camp they have. So we'll do the offense one day, the defense the next day. I'll roll out ten things I think I think for a final installment on Sunday before we head into the game on Thursday. And then we've got a sled load of coverage coming up the first part of next week for Thursday night football. So uh, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday, and then we'll watch the Vols play next Thursday. Brent, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com.